welcome to episode 148 of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Jared and I'm here with uh, Scourge of Ironforge and Games Industry Public Defender Nick Zelenkevich. Yeah, hey, how's everybody doing? And uh, Yeah, we are uh, last week of February, so we're going to do uh, what you've been playing. We do have some news bites and a couple things to talk about. It's been an interesting week, light, light week, but interesting week, I would say. Uh, so let's, let's get start with what you've been playing. Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, let's see here. I've been playing a little bit of Contrast. I uh, downloaded that, uh, what was I think, during the, the PS4 flash sale a few weeks ago. Um, I was really looking forward to that. I played that at PAX East a few years ago, uh, real briefly, when they de- debuted that. Um, and I have to say I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I, I, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's a puzzle game with the, the mechanic where you, uh, you blend into the shadows, um, and then you can kind of, you know, kind of like the, uh, was that Link, uh, the, the one Zelda game where, where you, you, uh, you could go two dimensional and then walk on the wall and do stuff. And like some of the puzzles were based on you being able to do that. Um, and so, so it's the same thing here, except you, you turn into a shadow on the wall. So you have to make sure you have a light source and then you can, you know, walk across some shadows and stuff. And some of the stuff is neat where like there'll be a scene of two people talking and you have to kind of jump around them in order to, you know, get to where you're going to. Um, but I hit one puzzle and I can't tell if the way I'm trying to solve it is just wrong, wrong or if I'm, if I'm not doing it right. Like, uh, like maybe I have to like time some kind of jump or something properly and I'm just not doing it because I feel like the controls, at least on the PS4, the controls aren't quite as tight as I'd like them to be. And again, I don't know if that's kind of on me for, for not being good enough or if that's an issue with the game itself, but, um, it's kind of blocked my progress as it were. And I haven't had the time to get back to it to kind of play through that stage. The other thing too, is that some of the, the save points are a little unforgiving because in this case, this puzzle is actually like the fourth or fifth puzzle in the series and it won't let me just save at that puzzle i have to go back and redo everything you know like the last the prior four like puzzles in that level before i can get to that puzzle so even there it's a, a bit uh i mean once you once you know what to do you can kind of blow through the stuff a little bit quicker but still it's you know it, it's 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 one of those it's one of those things where it's a good enough game but you know it's a few things that just aren't quite perfect it's uh detracting from my experience but um i don't know hopefully i'll get back to that at some point okay that's the only thing you've been playing um i played a little bit of transistor i, was, I, I think I, i'm not sure if i'm still in the opening levels or i think i got just slightly past that uh you wrote the review for that didn't you when that transistor, came out yeah i did yeah yeah so i mean i've uh that i've been enjoying that's just a straight up kind of run around and beat people up with a no i'm not really beating them up with a giant sword you kind of are though but the sword, like, I don't know, the sword has a bunch of attacks and stuff. I like, I like the way how, as you unlock the, the attacks, you can choose, like, which of the four attacks you want to use, and then the attacks that you don't have that you're using as the main attacks, you can use them to affect the, uh, what, like, one of the other attacks. Yeah, like, right, yeah, they, they kind of alter them. Yeah, so, like, right now I have five attacks that I can use, and, uh, one of the, like, the fifth attack that I'm not actively using, I can use that to augment one of the other attacks, and so. It, it tweaks it slightly, and so that's kind of neat. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on in that game because it seems like it's clearly got some kind of like. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll never tell you. You have to read the uh, like the. There's like these these information booths or things and stuff like that you can read. Like I forget what they're called. I haven't played it since it came out. 
Are they in? Oh. Are they in the game, or you have to read that outside? They're, they're, of the in, game. The game. they're in the game. They're in the game. Oh, okay, that's not, only that's Destiny not... makes you read shit yeah, outside say... the game. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna reference that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, overall, overall, I've been enjoying Transistor again. It's just a matter of getting uh, getting time to play that. Um, and then also, I've been playing Destiny, and I've been enjoying that. So, for anyone who doesn't know, apparently, I didn't know this, and Jared had to teach me uh, earlier in our discussion. Uh, but I guess what Iron Banner was this week. I, I guess when this goes live, you'll still have one day to play it. Your Iron Banner progress resets every uh, every Iron Banner. Yes, so, it does. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that. So I was all, oh, yeah, I'll take my time. I got to level two. I'm like, yeah, next time I'll get to level four, I'll, I'll get one of the items. And apparently I cannot do that. So No, yeah, each each Iron Banner um, has different items. Uh, the only thing that remains the same usually are the... Uh, the, uh, the the emblems. The emblems and the class items stay the same. Okay. And, and you want to get those so that next time you can rank up faster because you get a, you get like a, a, a boost. Almost like an experience boost or a rep boost from using those. Okay. Uh, but the, the gauntlets will change. Or at least the, you know, the gauntlets, the perks on the gauntlets, the weapons. And the way the Iron Band usually works, the weapons that you could buy this time, once you hit rank 3 next time, you might be able to get them as a drop. Ooh. Actually, I got a really, really, really nice rocket launcher that is going to just raise hell when I go back to the Crucible. <laughs> because the rocket, the rockets, they don't like explode on impact. When they get near a person, like, I can just shoot it in somebody's direction, and as soon as it gets near the person, it explodes. Nice. Yeah. So it's it's funny because people will move to the left or the right, and they'll think they're dodging it. You know, because usually with rockets, you shoot them toward the ground. You know. Yeah. But yeah. when you like when you shoot them at the ground, and people can sometimes jump up and away from them, or and you shoot right at you with a headshot. Yeah, you, know, you shoot you shoot when you shoot right at people, but people tend to move to the left or the right. Yeah, and when they do that, it just goes past them and explodes. So, destiny is about out cheesing your opponent. <laughs> that, that's what destiny is. Uh, but let's see. Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, destiny. Not really gonna get into it. I just did a two-hour podcast about it last week. Um, in orbit, that's out now. Uh, let's see, what else did I do? I played Apotheon, which is the PS one of those. It's the other PS free PS in uh, game this year, a PlayStation Plus game this uh, month, along with Transistor. That's how you got Transistor, right, Nick? You didn't buy it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't pay for games anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Apotheon, I don't know, I, I downloaded it just because it was free. I was like, eh, let me check it out. And, dude, I'm actually having a pretty good time with it. I'm having a pretty good time. It has, I like the combat system. Um, you know, you have to block attacks, and you actually have to, you know, move your shield or, or adjust your shield. Like, you just can't shield and it blocks. Like, you have to adjust it to um, block the angle of the attack. You know, so that, that's pretty cool. It's a it's a it's based on Greek mythology. You basically end up fighting gods, and you know, like I, I, I'm at a part right now where I pissed off Apollo, and he threw me in a prison. I had to break out of the prison, and right before I got out of prison, I had to fight this Cyclops. And the way they display the Cyclops, like at the last part, is actually pretty cool. Like it, it actually makes the fight feel epic. And then when you actually beat these bosses, this is the second boss I beat. You beat these, these bosses, it actually plays this really, really epic music. Hmm. And so I'm really feeling that game. I like it a lot. So I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm actually going to take a, like a, like a, like a short hiatus from uh, Destiny 
So uh, I have stuff to play. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I played Injustice. Finally, that was like a free PlayStation game. I think from December, maybe yeah. even November. No, it, it was, was December. Yeah, yeah. I probably played that, and you know, we're gonna get into this earlier with one of our topics. Oh, later. Sorry, with one of our topics. But for somebody who doesn't play fighting games, I had a good time playing it. Even though I don't think it's that great of a fighting game. It was still entertaining when I played it. It, it, it was good. Like the, the, the story kept me going. I, literally, I, I played it all in one shot. I didn't stop. Like I started playing it. I played all the way through the story. And it took me, let's see, I started playing it at 10. No, nine, I think 9 maybe, 9 or 10 o'clock. And I didn't get done till like two, so I played it for quite a bit. You know, do do you think you enjoyed the story more because you you uh, you're a DC fanboy? Yes, I think that was that was absolutely part of the reason. <laughs> it was a good story. Well, the, I'm sorry, well, I shouldn't say it was a good. It wasn't like a great DC story. It was like watching an episode of Justice League. You know, it it was good. I I liked it. And, uh, oh, even though, like, you know, when you're fighting, like, when you're fighting, some of these characters are fighting, you know there's no way they can keep, like, some of these characters can keep up with others. You know? Like, uh, Black Adam fighting Superman. Don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying Black Adam's a chump or anything like that, but, you know, he's not beating Superman. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I would think very few would really be competitive in that regard. Right, yeah. I mean, the Superman fights are better than some. Like, who they have had Catwoman fight Cyborg. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure like, Catwoman's not going to be much of a match for Cyborg, especially, like, in that arena. Like, straight-up fisticuffs. Yeah. You know? Like, that. They're, they're, it's not going to happen. Or, like, um, you know, they had Lex Luthor and his, uh, in his, like, you know, Superman killing machine, pretty much. Uh, fighting, like, you know, Harley Quinn. <laughs> That's a bit of a mismatch. Yes. Pretty much, it would seem like most of Batman's rogues gallery versus Superman's rogues gallery, there's a mismatch. Yes, yes, so then that's the thing. Um, but I really, did you play it, Nick? Did you grab that game? I did grab it, I have not played it. You, I think you would enjoy the backgrounds more than anything. <laughs> oh, because they're just full of... Uh... There's this, this stuff happening in the backgrounds, like, you know, like this one... Where, like, I think a Green Lantern and somebody else are fighting in the background while you're fighting. And huh. then, like, the, um, oh, I don't know what her name is. It's not just the, the 50-foot woman, is it? Like, no, it's not that. Her name is, like, she can grow to really large sizes. Um, she was fighting somebody in the background, and they're, like, you know, they're huge. It, it was good. I thought that was pretty good. And the way you can interact with the levels is fun, too, but just, like, the way some of the levels were actually actually set up, you know? So, but it was, I enjoyed it. And I'm actually, because of that, I'm actually now I'm looking forward to Mortal Kombat X. Because Mortal Kombat 9 was definitely, I think it was a better game overall than Injustice. And if they can make, you know, Mortal Kombat X that much better, I think that's a good thing. So... Did Injustice have fatalities? No. Okay. No, no fatalities. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. 
which you know definitely has taking up a lot of my time. Like I said, I got to take a, I got to take some type of break from it because it, it's this week with the Iron Banner has been too much. It's been too much, man. Like too much cheese. I gotta take a break. You're you're the one that what was it Thursday night? Didn't you post something like, oh yeah, three day weekend? I'm just gonna blitz on uh, just gorge on the Iron Banner. Well, I was, I was gonna make it to rank four, but I was already rank three. Oh. Yeah, I was already ranked three by uh by Thursday. I made rank two the first night, and rank three the night after that, and then I made rank four, and then I made rank five like Friday morning. Damn. So. So yeah, that's that's because I was able to get the bounties. Like in terms of wins losses, man, that shit was rough. Mm. That was really rough this time. A lot of pre made groups, which really shows the unfairness that. That Valve, that Valve, um, <laughs> Bungie caused by not having comms, you know, as a default in multiplayer. Because when you play a, pre- a pre-made group, they're organized. They're talking to each other. They can say, hey, go in this door together. Or what's going from opposite ends. Simple shit like that you can't even do with, you know, regular groups. And yes, regular groups can get into the fire team chat, but nobody uses it because everybody is used to not using it. Not to mention it's not owned by default. It needs to be on by default unless somebody turns it off in their options. I wouldn't say nobody uses it. There's usually like one guy in every every match that I'm in that turns it on and joins the chat channel, but nobody else does. So there's no point in him talking. Exactly. That's the thing. Like it needs to be on by default unless somebody turns it off in their options. It needs to be an opt-out thing. You, need, you should have to opt out of it. But you know, we're, we're, we're going to talk about that on the next In Orbit, episode two. I don't want to get too deep in here. I got to hold my content back, you know? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what you talk about after you take your two-week break here. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I don't think much is happening while I'm on break. We'll see what happens. I don't know. Where, that patch is supposed to be coming, like, any day now. Well, the, the one for the uh, gun nerf? Or the, the whole, whatever they're calling it. I don't know. It's supposed to be some kind of major patch, isn't it? The gun nerf or the... Uh... The one where they're patching, um, so that it makes it does matchmaking on heroics. I thought they were all coming in the same patch. Oh, they might be. We'll see. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to catch up on it after I get back from PAX. <laughs> that's, right, you're, that's right, you're going. I am going to PAX, yes. Cool. But uh, let's get into our news bites. So actually, <laughs> I didn't do this on purpose, but the first news bite is about Destiny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Bungie, uh, they uh, they're beefing up, as Polygon says, their their writing team. We got a new lore master. Uh, looks like his name was a uh, John Ryan. John Ryan. He's been added to the, to the development team as the lore master, which I can only assume means he will be in charge of the Destiny lore. Which to maybe the, the surprise of some people, Destiny does have lore. Those Grimoire <laughs> cards, those Grimoire cards, are story pieces, and they actually, when you piece them together, they actually tell a good, a pretty good story. The Des- the lore of Destiny is actually pretty deep, and actually pretty dark. Um, and I, honestly, if you read the Grimoire cards, you can probably figure out what's gonna happen. And I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I'm pretty sure I already know what's gonna happen in Destiny. How? I guess my question is, how many people actually read the the Grimoire cards? Because you know, I know more people who care about the score than the cards. Like, they do stuff to get the cards, so they get a higher score, and then never read the cards. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because even then, that's a system I haven't really paid attention to. I just noticed, like every so often, it's like you it know, like seven fifty out of nine hundred or whatever. And yeah, yeah, I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't it just pops up, and that's all you really notice. But I know a lot of people did just give. Uh, they, and some people judge other people's like experience based on the Grimoire score. I think it's more of a PVE thing. And PVP, I really don't care. You yeah. Know? It's funny because when I do play PVP. Um, the group I play with sometimes some some of the guys they uh, you know they look at the other they look at the because you, as you're loading in you can check out the other team because you all load into the same queue you can check out the other team right and they check out you know the players their levels what weapons they have and they check out if they're a pre-made group how many of them are on the same pre-made and all that stuff I never do that and you know why Nick because there's no point and why is that. Because it's all cheese? No, it's because I'm going to kill him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is honestly why I don't check it. I don't care how many people uh, how many people are in your group. I don't care what weapons you have. I'm going to kill you anyway. I think that's why, that's why I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I win as much as I do <laughs> in that game. I don't know. I, I don't check that stuff. But a lot of people do. And I, I don't know if that's a P, I don't know if it's a PVP player thing or if that just comes from PVE and people want to be prepared for it. You I know? think I think it comes from PVE insofar as for PVP. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you win or you lose, and like that's kind of how you can tell how good people are. Is is you know, especially too, unless you're actually in a pre-made group. Like if you're just like getting you know mixed into the random match, one match you can be playing with somebody, one match you're at, against them but for the pve like you need to make sure like i'm assembling a team that's on point and oftentimes people like to look at the scores because they want to make sure like okay these people can carry me if i suck right so yeah that's uh, yeah it's it's one of those proto mmo aspects that destiny provides is is that since there's no real other way to track progress that's that's what you do. You check the grimoire cards and then you kind of figure out like okay this person looks like they know what they're doing okay we should be fine Right. Uh, but back to the actual topic at hand. Uh, yeah, so John Ryan, he's coming to the team. And this is after the lead writer, jo- uh, Joseph Statton, he left. And I think they lost uh, a few other writers because they're looking for a new lead writer and a narrative designer as well. Uh, those those positions are available on their careers page. And uh, I'm just hoping it... it, it you know, a new not that I think Destiny's story is that bad. I think the way they implement the story in the game is pretty awful. Yes. Well, you know, reading some of the Grimoire cards and knowing what's happened, it's like, oh, okay, that's actually pretty cool. Um. Yeah, but I hope that you know the thing about Bungie is their stories are almost predictable. I was telling Nick earlier, with the exception of Oni, it feels like almost every all the games that they have done have like these you know religious overtones. You know, like with Marathon and Halo and now Destiny. Um, I don't know. I just it's like you can't come up with a with a with a better story. Not just say a better story, but with like a different story. You know, it's always got to be light and darkness or good and evil. Uh, somebody, you know, rising to a god and you know stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, maybe if you've only played Halo. You can't see it if you only play Destiny or you've only played Marathon, which if you've only played Marathon, you probably don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
I don't think most people are familiar with Halo. Obviously, more people are going to be familiar with Halo Marathon. It was like a precursor to Halo. And that had some slight religious overtones with the AI, you know, basically, you know, becoming godlike from a knowledge perspective. You know, and, and, and the player having to take it down. And, you know, the Halo with the Covenant, you know, and, the, and them doing things in the name of religion and uh, the Great Journey, I think they called it. And, you know, stuff like that. And now Destiny, where you're, you know, you're the... You, your traveler, which is basically, you know, quote unquote, your God, you know, versus the darkness. Like, it always feels like they have that, you know, going on. I don't know. I think what happened to just having a good old sci fi story? <laughs> you know? Well, maybe that's what they're trying to get back to. <laughs> I don't know. It, it feel, I feel like they always have to have these, like, religious overtones in the game. Not, and don't get me wrong, it's not like I have a problem with it. It's kind of like I'm looking for something a little different. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not really complaining, I guess. Am I complaining, Nick? Like, I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm complaining. I'm just kind of like, eh. I kind of wish they would do something different. But, I mean, if they don't, I'm fine with it. <laughs> it's... Am I complaining, Nick? It's a little complaining. A little, a little complaining. complaining? Okay. Well, that's just the way it's going to be then. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the, they are, you know, who knows? They may do nothing on the actual Destiny. And they may just, um, you know, work on Destiny 2 for all we know. So, we'll see. Uh, next news bite. Tony Hawk has confirmed that there will be a new Tony Hawk game in 2015. And I really am hoping it's an actual Tony Hawk game. And not, like, you know, another Wii game or a Wii U game or a fucking mobile game. Like, I want Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I want it. We are ripe for a Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. They, they drove it into the ground, you know, in the late 2000s by releasing it yearly. Like, it was like every year it was the same thing. It was a new Need for Speed, a new Tony Hawk Pro Skater, new Call of Duty. Every year. And now it's kind of like, you know, Call of Duty is still yearly, but it's Assassin's Creed. And, uh, well, now they, they put Need for Speed to rest. So that those yeah, but- was... Go, go ahead. Isn't the problem that they, they do those franchises yearly until they run them into the ground and there's no point to doing that anymore? Yeah, but uh, yeah, that is true. And the thing about Tony Hawk, I mean, they've, they've, it's rested for long enough and it's ripe for, you know, a new game, dude. It really is. And I hope, I pray to God, if they do that, they keep the old control scheme because it was awesome. That's why I didn't like, um, it wasn't Skate. It was the uh, the Sean White skating game. Uh, the, the, the Sean White skating game, I wasn't a big fan of. It wasn't bad, but... You didn't have the precision controls of Tony Hawk, man. Like, you know, I didn't want, like, a uh, well, not that the, the Sean White skating game was, like, a realistic skating game or anything like that. But at the same time, like, Tony Hawk, you just do these in, uh, unbelievable fucking tricks. And I didn't feel like you could do that in the in the Sean White game. Yeah. Uh, I, we're ready. We're, we're ready for new Tony Hawk. And th- this is the tweet that kind of, uh... He, he released a tweet. Uh, he says, uh, a romantic poem for your Valentine's Day. Also, be working on a new THPS, which is Tony Hawk Pro Skater, to be released this year. Love, Tony. And the poem is, Roses are red, violets are blue, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. That was the uh, the poem that they released. So that's good. I, I can't wait. If, if they actually do, and, you know, if, if they actually make a real Tony Hawk, I think it'll, it'll do well. 
you know. So actually, I just saw this comment, this comment on Polygon. They focus less on realism and more on ridiculous trick combos and runs, and I think it will be a success and a ton of fun to play, which is true. Tony Hawk Pro Skater got so, was so successful, not because it was so realistic, but because it was ridiculous, and that's why so many people who didn't skate played the game. You know? If it was real, if it was like super realistic, I, I don't think it would have worked out that great. Nick, do you agree? Disagree? I I don't know. I never got into Tony Hawk. Oh, so. God damn it! Uh, I don't know. Okay. I think for me, I think for me, it was too ridiculous. I wanted it more realistic. But Nick, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you asked. You were trolling. You were trying to troll. I'm shutting that shit down right now. You asked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh next topic. Let's talk about so um Assassin's Creed Unity. I think I talked about this before. Assassin's Creed Unity. Uh, in order to unlock certain chests and things in the game, you actually had to play the mobile game, which is Assassin's Creed Initiates. Uh, no, sorry. That's the, the site that tracks your progress across all Assassin's Creed games. Uh, there was a mobile, I forget what it's called, the mobile app. But either way, you had to unlock these chests. Like, you'd have to go onto your phone, find a chest, and unlock it. And in the game, you'd have to go to said chest and actually, you know, get the stuff. So... Uh, that is going away. This next patch that Ubisoft is rolling out will make it so that all that stuff that was unlocked by the mobile app and the Initiates website, all of that stuff will now be available in-game. Thank God, because that was so stupid. It was so stupid. Like it was, and it was a pain in the ass, you know? The only good thing that the Initiates game had was, if you remember from Brotherhood or Revelations, you had the assassins that you could that you could it was kind of like an RPG game where you had the assassins that you could train up and then send them out on missions and actually in Assassin's Creed 4 uh, it wasn't just assassins you could do that too it was actual ships so like you could make fleets of ships and send them out um Nick did you play Assassin's Creed 4 No I did not Okay so you could actually capture ships that you pillaged on the okay. open seas and then you can assemble these ships into fleets and then send the fleets to different places. Nice. So that was pretty cool. And that, that that's a part of the mobile app, but I kind of wish they would just added it into the regular game. But then again, if it was out of scope, it was out of scope. But yeah, so that's going to be no longer necessary. I still have the app on my phone. I need, I need to uninstall that shit. That's another, that's another app. Like I was talking about a game last week that, you know, once you turn it on, it sends notifications to your phone. It's annoying. That's another app that sends notifications to your phones, and it's annoying. So, and on top of that, it, you, it's not the app is free, but in order to get the full use out of it, you have to buy that shit. Oh, okay. You get your hand out my pocket. You okay. Off. I, I yeah, just I was paid sixty fi- fucking dollars for your game. I was trying to figure out where their hook into all this was because, like, what's the what's even the point of requiring people to use this app to open these chests. But yeah, if you have to pay for the app to get access to the chests, then okay. And I guess clearly at this point, it's not worth supporting anymore. Yeah, you can only have a few assassins unless you buy the actual app. And there's some other things, some other stuff that I'd never looked into because I wasn't paying $2 for the app. I paid $60. I mean, I can see maybe if, uh, you know, if I bought the game used or I didn't buy the game at all, it's $2 unlocked and stuff, but every copy of the full game, of a wrapped game, should have come with a code to get the fucking game. It should have. Even, but even then, I mean, ultimately at that point, then, how is this any different than 
day one DLC that's just on the disc but locked behind a code. It's well, it's not. It's a. It's I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far because it's a, it's a different game on a different platform altogether. It's on mobile. Yeah, but ultimately, well, I guess it. I mean, ultimately, if you you're playing the game because the mobile game, I should say, if you're playing yeah. the mobile game because you like the mobile game, that's great. But if you're playing the mobile game just so you can unlock these stupid chests in Unity, that's I don't know. That 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 that's dumb. That's it, it uh, is. That's why it's not working. No. <laughs> So hopefully it's a lesson learned. They don't do that shit next year. Uh, Yeah, I'm asking for a lot of no. Uh, Next up on the news bites. So, you know, we recently been talking a lot about Counter-Strike and the cheating that's been going on. Uh, One league is trying to take it a bit further. Uh, What is this league called? Face It. Um, Which I've actually never even heard of this league, but... No, I don't think Face It is... No, Face it's not the league, is it? I thought Face it was the company that they that they were no, listen, using. All, all players must be subject to visit from Face it admins. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, no, Face it's the people doing the testing. I didn't realize that they were the league. I'm pretty sure that it's the league. Let's look it up right now, Nick. That's what I'm trying to look through here. Let's see, Face it. I'm yeah. loading up. What is this thing? Play your favorite games? Uh, actually, I don't know. It's oh no, you're right. Competitive league, face it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, there it is. So, um, yeah, they are taking it a bit further. They want to do like physical checks on PCs, uh, to make sure players are cheating. Like they want to send an admin to um certain players' houses during competitions and make sure that they're not cheating. Which I think is it's hilarious because yeah. some players were cheating at major competitions that were being streamed and nobody knew. You know, so how is this person supposed to go to somebody's house, watch them play, and make sure they're not cheating when the world is watching and and people aren't sure that people are are people are cheating or not? I mean, the only way. They could do that would actually maybe uh, impact the way the person plays, period, whether they're cheating or not. Like, for example, um, there was a video a couple, like a couple podcasts ago, more than a few, like I think like five or six that we watched where a player was tracking someone through a wall. He jumps and gets a headshot because he knows exactly where the guy is. Now, this person didn't have like frames on their monitor or, you know, any type of anything on their HUD telling them where this guy was going to be. More than likely, his cheat was an audio one where it kind of like, you know, when you're looking through a wall and you cr- your crosshair goes over the player, it makes like a certain noise. How are you supposed to hear that? You know, because what most players, most Counter-Strike players, actually all Counter-Strike players uh, who are playing competitive have a headset on. So what you're going to do, put your ear up to the person's headset and hope, to, hope that you can hear what they hear? Like, it's really not going to, you know, I, I don't think... I don't, I don't think it's going to be worth it. Go it, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, it, like, it ups the difficulty of cheating slightly. If you know, you know, if you know that there's a chance someone may randomly show up at your door before a competition and then be looking over your shoulder the whole time. But yeah, it's, I don't uh, uh, Like you said, if, if there can be major competitions, you know, held on a stage where people are cheating, then like, 
like this is then this is doomed to fail. Like if if you can't lock down a major competition in front of a crowd, if you can't get that locked down, like why are you even bothering with this? And and frankly, that's the other thing I think is that if you're that concerned, you need to send people to you know their houses to to monitor them that way. Just to hold the competition somewhere. Have everybody come to you. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure logistically it's probably cheaper to send one person to one place than have to deal with a whole actual convention somewhere. But it just seems like it, it just seems like if you're so worried that this is your reaction to cheating, just shut the whole competition down because you're 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 never going to you're never going to validate your results. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if it makes them feel better, you know. This may be more of a, you know, <laughs> more of a show than anything. More security theater, you know? To their but, credit, to the, I mean, had you heard of Face It before this? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, it, it could be because I've been out of the scene for quite some time. It could, it could be, but this is also the kind of thing that, like, hey, you know, we're seeing Counter-Strike getting, you know, mentioned publicly because of this ongoing scandal. Let's do something asinine that'll get us involved in it as well. And now, hey, people are talking about Face It. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I've never heard of this league before, so. Curious. We'll see how it goes. I'm pretty sure if it, if it's lame or, not lame, I say if it doesn't work, or if, uh, you know, big do a competition that comes out later that plays cheating, then we'll definitely hear about it. So. Uh, so, let's next news bite. Uh, Brianna Wu, she's been in the news quite a bit recently. Uh, over, you know, she did an article where she was calling for some action to be done about, you know, people threatening her and Anita Sarkeesian and a few other people. And, uh, you know, what we've heard about her before with the whole, you know, harassment thing going on. <laughs> you know, I say thing like it's a one-time thing. It's, it's kind of ongoing for quite some time now. Uh, but she and her company, Revolution 60, uh, actually, I'm sorry, no, her company is Giant Space Cat. And their game is called Revolution 60. They pulled out of PAX. They are no longer going to have a booth at PAX East due to security concerns. And I guess the reason this is different than, you know, other shows is that most of the threats they've been getting, or the more serious threats they've been getting, have actually been coming directly out of Boston. And according to her, you know, the Boston Police Department doesn't feel very uh, uh, motivated to do anything about it, she says. Uh, she actually wrote she wrote a piece about that before too, and she also said that Pax, uh, you know, Penny Arcade did not really respond to her uh, when she was, I guess, inquiring about security stuff. But apparently, after this got published, they then you know reached out to her. Well, of course, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. I, even I think in our experiences with with Pax management, um. They, they they tend to be a bit, I guess, laissez-faire in some regards. Right. That, uh, you know, I mean, even then, like, you know, what, security is usually handled by the, the volunteer enforcer staff. Um, and even then, I think as far as PAX East goes, a lot of the security regulations that they have in place now weren't even implemented until after the, 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 boss, the, the shootings in Boston two years ago. Right. Um, I mean, before that, you could have walked in. I don't even think they were checking bags at all. I mean, you could just, you could theoretically have walked in, you know, armed to the teeth, and as long as it wasn't visible, uh, you know, you could have made it all the way into the convention. Um, 
So, I mean, so, so, you know, so, so they've been improving their security. I'm not surprised though, that given the level of concern that, that, uh, you know, Wu and her, her team, uh, would have that PAX either didn't respond to them or just didn't meet whatever, you know, criteria that they would have considered comfortable for having a booth on the floor. Um, and I'm not, and I'm also not surprised that PAX didn't get back to her until, you know, after it was became public that they hadn't gotten back to her. Um, but yeah, this, this doesn't surprise me. Um, what's interesting though, is that we will still be attending the show. We will still be doing panels. It's mostly the reason they're canceling the booth was out of concern for her team. Um, and I, and I, and that makes sense as well in that, you know, like you can do the panels. It's probably easier to protect, you know, one person on the panels. And even then I think she's a little more, I don't want to say accustomed to, but I think she's accepted some of the inherent risks for what she's doing. Um, you know, to, to, force those decisions upon her team. Um, you know, that's, you know, that, that's a, you know, it's, it's a different level of uh, responsibility. And, and if, if the team themselves aren't comfortable going, there's no point in forcing them. Um, but it's, I don't know. I guess the, the one thing that we were talking about before is like, what, why would they need a booth? I mean, revolution 60 has been out for how many years now? Like right? a couple of years. Like, I think like, First time I heard about it was maybe PAX East 2012, 2013? I can't remember. I think it was 2013. So, yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do have new products that they wanted to talk about. I don't know. But it's, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 you know, another, I don't want to say it's like another instance of anything, but it's just, it's, it's just unfortunate that anybody, and because it's not even necessarily woo in this case, like she's still showing up and, and admittedly this is getting her attention. Um, which even then like in the Q and a people ask her, or accuse her, like, is this a PR stunt? And it's no, this is honestly about safety. Like it's, it's I mean, to a degree, to a degree it, it is, if only because like we're talking about it, like this became news. But as much as she controls that, as much as anybody controls anything, um, you know, this, this could just be an instance of them trying to do what's best for their team. So I, don't know, I hope I hope nothing happens at PAX. I was worried because the whole Gamergate thing started right before the last PAX. And I was worried that something would happen there. Um, or I should say PAX Prime, rather, because that's not even the last PAX. They do so many of these damn PAXs now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive but i don't think anything's gonna happen to the packs like i don't I think i don't think because as extreme as gamers seem they're not about that life most I of them would, are just talking trash over the internet i in all honesty i would have thought if anything was going to happen it would have been right at packs because that's right when gamergate was was at its biggest and it was right when it was happening and then you had all these people meeting up in seattle and everything was cool and that was awesome i bet you nobody even but, talked about it <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure people. You think you're going to have pro gamer gators and con, you know, it goes against gamer gate, you know, you know, in the halls talking and having debates and shit. Like no, that. see, I don't think it was debates. I think people might have been laughing it off. I think I think you get people in that kind of convention, in in that kind of space, and people might say, "Uh huh, gamer gate," and then kind of laugh it off. Not and and especially. You know, with everybody there being fairly dismissive. I mean, because I don't think there were any explicit threats like, "Oh, we're going to do anything at PAX." Um, I mean, clearly, if if she's getting, if she's being targeted by people in Massachusetts, I mean, that's obviously, you know, 
this is obviously their you know proverbial backyard, so it, it makes sense for her to be a little more concerned about that. And I think yeah, the odds of anything happening there are slimmer. Um, but the thing is, I wouldn't put them at zero. And so, I don't right. Know. Hopefully, nothing happens. And that's kind of the best. I, that's all I can say is I, hopefully I, nothing happens. I don't think I don't anything. think it'll happen. But you know, no. it's, hopefully my car will start tomorrow and I can get to work. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't you think don't it's going to die work, on Nick. me. But you know, <laughs> shit happens. <laughs> you don't drive to work, Nick. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, I I just can't see something happening there because. Oh, like a, a lot of the threats are empty. A lot of the threats are really fucking empty. Like it's just people over the internet tossing threats and saying, "I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that," and they they really they're not gonna do it. You know, they're just sprouting at them up. But I have no, I have uh, what's the word before I I know as a fact. That somebody that you know, there's uh, somebody at PAX that has said something, you know, misogynist to either Anita Sarkeesian, Brianna Wu, Zoe Quinn in that group, hurling insults and saying you know stuff that they that they're not, that you know the execs that we're talking about, but they're not going to do anything when they're there, not one thing. I seriously doubt there's going to be anybody who confronts if if any of them are there. Well, we know Brianna Wu's going to be there, but if like you know they're not going to confront them or say anything to their face, you know, at best you'll have somebody say something to some cosplayers, you know. Yeah. That that's I think that's that's probably maybe one of the worst things we'll see at PAX. Not don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I'm not what's I'm not uh, downsizing that. I'm just saying that's that's the level that we're at because be, people feel more comfortable saying stuff to cosplayers. So I would expect to I would expect to see that, but I wouldn't expect somebody to actually get into a debate or say something to Brianna Will. No, and that's no, and that's the thing is that fundamentally I, I I agree with you. Like I don't expect anything to happen, but it only takes one crazy person. <laughs> and I mean, you know, and even then, like as far as like internet muscles, you're still you're not crazy. You know, it's you're just you know you're just talking shit online, and, and there's a difference between legitimate crazy and you know just running your mouth. And nobody running their mouth is going to do anything. They're not the people you need to worry about. It's if one of these people is legit crazy, that's when you have a problem. Right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it can happen. It can definitely happen. I'm not saying this is totally uh, overboard or anything like that. It can definitely happen, but at the same time, I just don't think it will. No, and it should. As a, yeah, most likely it won't. Like, I don't know, like ninety, ninety-nine percent. I don't know. Like I said, it's just it's not it's not a hundred percent that it won't happen. There's some percentage where you can figure out what you want to assign it yourself because I don't know numbers, but right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so let's see. Next news bite, uh, which is a quick one, I, I would hope. Uh, so as you know, Kickstarters aren't always successful. Actually, a lot of I think uh, there was a Kotaku article that uh, showed that there was like $2 million worth of crowdfunding that delivered no games. But uh, a uh, NeoGAF member actually put together a spreadsheet so you can track the progress of Kickstarter games to see whether or not you should, you know, if you want to donate to one or not, you know, see how it's going. You know, and he breaks it down into different categories or different statuses which are released, you know, 
low, low to no risk, uh, normal progress, significant risk, uh, admitted failure, and too early to tell. So if you're into Kickstarter and you like Kickstarting games, you might want to check out that spreadsheet. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, last on our news bites is that Diablo 3 is going to be bringing some microtransactions back. Uh, we know that, well, you know, they shut off the auction house and made some changes, and that actually kind of breathed new life into the game. Uh, but they look, doesn't look like they're completely ready to get rid of microtransactions. Well, hold on. I'm, I'm cutting you off here. Because th- th- this is – the microtransactions are coming, but they're only coming to Asia, which is a, mar- a market known I, for loving microtransactions. Wait, isn't that the opposite way around? I thought it was coming to Europe first. No, no. Uh, North America and Europe. No, no, it's they're not coming to North America and Europe. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's basically this is just Blizzard trying to figure out the best way to monetize the game across multiple regions. Um, they've done the same thing in Warcraft, where there are certain potions that you can buy that increase your leveling experience. Those are only available in Asia. And the same thing happened when they de- debuted those potions in Asia. That happened here is that everybody was like, "Oh, well, they're doing it in Asia. They're going to do it everywhere else." Um, if there's one thing that Blizzard is savvy about, they know how to mar- that their games are. Mar- they know that their games need to be marketed differently in different regions, and they know that a lot of the stuff, a lot of the free-to-play stuff, a lot of the microtransactions, they work better in Asia than they do in North America and Europe. And <clears throat> excuse me, Blizzard is much. You know that they're they're perfectly fine implementing certain features in different regions in order to to maximize their profits here. I have no expectation that this ever makes it to America or Europe. Uh, I have no expectation that the potions in WoW ever make it anywhere. It's this is entirely just them doing something in Asia and. The, some of the articles that are trying to highlight that this is, you know, happening and and they're they're over exaggerating it for no good reason. Um, so unless you're listening to this in Asia, your Diablo experience will not change. I don't know, like it's not like the microtransactions are that bad. Like most of them are cosmetic, and some of them will give you like what I guess like XP boosts for short periods of time. Yeah, like that's definitely something I can see coming here. Like that's that's that that's not bad, especially if the core game stays the same. Like they don't slow down your progress in any way. I think it'll be fine. I don't not not that. I don't know. I feel like I mean some of the other stuff they mentioned as far as like cosmetic wings and pets and, and character portraits and stuff. Um, those I could see coming over because that that model has worked for a while. Um, but the XP stuff that usually, anytime you know, any any time you you start to approach pay to pay to win, um, people get very you know people get very rankled about that. And if you're paying to get level faster, especially with with the seasons that they have now, uh, was it season two just started the other week? Um, and so if everybody's starting over at, at zero to level up uh, to participate in the season, if you can pay to get some potions and level up faster, um, that'll definitely, definitely not sit the right way with some of their fans. So I would, you know, at least as far as the potions go, that I don't think would come over the, the cosmetic stuff that usually it's, it's, that's usually fairly benign. Um, so that, that I could see that. Right. Yeah. I I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. It'll be different if the stuff was like paywalled. You know, like yeah. if, if if it was really, you know, um, stopping you from playing the game, but I don't see that happening. No, they're not. They're not that stupid. No. 
I'll just move into our articles. Uh, the first is a lesson in not trusting anybody over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a kid, an 11 year old boy, actually playing Destiny. Uh, he, I guess, uh, he got he was playing with his friends. They were in a party, and his friend invited two other guys into the party uh, to do something. I guess they were playing PvP, and well, from the start they were playing PvP. Uh, for whatever re oh sorry the the one of the guys tells the kid he can help him, you know, glitch the game and get one of his characters up past twenty really fast, like some type of glitch he was gonna do, or some type of hack or cheat he was gonna do. So the kid he, he convinces the kid he didn't, I said I guess he didn't have to try that hard, but the kid enables share play for him and passes him the remote. Uh, pretty much as soon as the kid looks away from the screen, the guy deletes. Both his two highest characters goes into his lowest character and deletes the only exotic he has, and that's that. And uh, yeah, the kid was sad at the end of the video. If you watch it, he's crying. Well, to the the kids, to the kids' credit, bef- I think before he realizes that the two characters have been deleted, he actually goes back into the the uh, the the chat, the party chat, and he actually says to the guy like, "Oh, I was going to delete that weapon anyway." Like he actually tries to kind of like put on a little brave face for it, not act like it's it's he's so upset. Um, and then he goes back and he sees everything, and then he starts crying, um, which is sad. Um, but I mean, it's this is one of those important lessons that you know. Frankly, if the kid's gonna learn a lesson this way, it's better to learn this with a Destiny character than with somebody's credit card or any actual like real information. Um, you know, don't, you know, don't trust people online. Don't, uh, you know, just cause somebody says something on a podcast doesn't mean it's true. Um, except this one, everything except you say this one. is true, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's sad. And I guess there, there's a, another level of sadness to the story. And so far as, as far as the guy that did this, people went and started looking for him because especially to once you show some guy being mean to a kid on the internet, um, and especially since we know his PlayStation handle, we, you know, we, we had a starting point. Um, but apparently the guy that – or the, the owner of the account that did the deleting, um, he was – I think – I don't I don't know how old he was himself, if he was exactly a kid or I think he might have been a little older than that, maybe his teens. Uh, but he was apparently in some kind of car accident that he's convalescing from. And so while he's recovering from that, he had some friends over and – He's not sure who, but he was not in control of the PlayStation when the account was deleted. So allegedly one of his friends did that when he wasn't looking. So it's not clear who exactly deleted the account. Um, both parties are claiming to be victims here. Um, personally, I kind of don't buy the story. <laughs> I feel like this is some way of trying to you know, dodge internet hatred for being a dick. But I have no evidence to counter that, really. So... I'll take him at his word for now. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, you let your boy, you let your friend play your PlayStation, you don't know what the fuck's going on? Get the fuck out of here. That is, no, you're not doing that. I don't let people touch my Vita, my DS, my laptop without knowing what they're doing on it. Okay? And most gamers are the same way. Yeah. You know? Well, that's and that's why he's that's why the story goes that he was in a car accident and he's I guess whatever head injury sustained he wasn't he's not fully cognizant to be able to be paying attention. Although in that case, then why are you even in Destiny? But yes, that's what I, I don't mean. know. I don't know. 
I and I agree. Something doesn't something doesn't seem right here. And I it, like it, like I said, it feels like this is just some kind of lie. So it's like because even then, like right after this happened, uh, I, I forget who, who uh, I, think, I think it was Gabe at Penny Arcade uh, tweeted. You know, like if I worked at Bungie, you know, there would just happen to be an accident with the Kermit the Frog account. But um, and so yeah, so there might be a sense of like, oh, well, you know, we should take some vigilante justice into our hands. Um, and frankly, that's kind of how it should be to a degree. Is that you know, the, if you want to have a community where there aren't aren't assholes allowed to run rampant like this, they should feel pressure from the community not to be an asshole. And Absolutely. so yeah, so hopefully you know this guy and anybody else is you know learning their lesson that hey you know what if i take you know if I, if somebody grants me control over their playstation 4 even if they're stupid for having done that it can still be recorded that oh i gave them control or you know they gave me control and oh hey i just did this and people can still come after you and it's not i'm not saying people should be going after them but i'm you know it's, it's one of those things that you know especially here where anybody with any kind of like parental instinct is going to be like man you know you took advantage of an 11 year old kid that's bullshit you should know better um and you should know better but yeah it's i don't know don't you know it's, it's a lesson for everybody just don't be stupid on the internet and for the especially for kids who you know if really for parents to make sure that you teach your kids how not to be stupid on the internet because they don't know any better i disagree there. he's 11 years old he's he's not an idiot like he's young Yes. Yeah. Young, yes. But when I was 11 years old, I wasn't giving anybody access to my online shit. Which was very possible when I was 11 years old, by the way. Just to let that's you true, know. that's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, that's the thing, like, they, I, I don't know, like, like, the same things that I was taught in real life applied to online for me. You don't talk to strangers, which, I mean, of course... You know, you didn't. You ignored that to a degree because you got the chat rooms and shit. Yeah, like that. you're there. That's what but I was the, gonna say. Like, yeah, your fire team chat right there. You're gonna be talking to strangers. Yeah, you're gonna, you know, so you're, strangers gonna be telling you I don't mean, you, take you, you ignore that to an extent, but at the same time, like, it still extends to you don't trust strangers. That's ultimately what you don't talk to strangers is about. Not trusting strangers. Yeah, you know, you don't trust strangers. Like, you don't give strangers your name. Like, all that stuff. You don't look. You can just all that encompasses into not trusting strangers. Well, the other thing here, though, is that because the guy joined into the party, you know, they met through that other par- uh, party chat, yeah. that at what point do you does this guy cross from being a stranger? Like, okay, like, you know, my friend trusts him. I'll trust him then. Like, you know, clearly that's a line that you need to determine, and it should be fairly high. And I guess in this, you know, in this kid's case, it's not like he just was running around in Fireteam chat like, hey, somebody delete my characters, please. Like, I no, do- I mean, nah, th- I'm sorry. I, I still don't because like I'm, th- I'm trying to think of, of a good example of when I was younger. Like for, a good example uh, was the Pokemon um, glitch where you can trade a Pokemon and keep it, but the other person still has it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the glitch with the missing no and stuff like that. I didn't trust people enough to let them get that shit from me. You know, I should say I didn't trust people enough, but like you know, even people that I knew, I was like, oh, no, I'm good. Because <laughs> you didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't want to risk, you know, losing my progress or losing my game or something happening because of that shit. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I maybe that's just the way I grew up. Well, I think, I think part of it too is, well, I guess even, I mean, as, as, as much as that the, I mean, you physically have to give somebody the hardware in that case with the Game Boy. Um, but, but even then, I mean, if this is, you know, one of those kind of, 
you know, good thing, bad things is, I mean, Sony's made it so easy to share, you know, Sony made it possible to do this basically just by pressing a button on the PlayStation. Whereas back in the day, you know, if you wanted to, you know, really get involved with somebody, you needed to know what you were doing. Like as far as even like the Counter-Strike community, it's not like you just start up in Counter-Strike and then there you go. Like you had to get the whole system up and running and get it installed properly. And there's a, there's a certain level of technical ineptitude and along with that should presumably come some level of maturity that may not be necessary here if you're just going to throw a disc in a console and go. Right. Right. But at the same time, when Sony built that feature and they built it in for your, you and your friends. Yeah. If you just met somebody, you're not their friend. Like, I mean, even if you no. friend them on PSN, you're not their friend. Not their friend, yeah. You don't know these people, you know? Yeah. And I guess uh, whether he, whether the kid was naive or not, I mean, it's just, well, obviously he's naive because he yeah. knows this happened, but I mean, it's a lesson learned. Now he knows. Yeah. No, and it's, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, like I said, like, there are way worse ways this kid could have learned this lesson. I mean, having, you know, some, some max level destiny characters deleted, that sucks, but it's, you know, you can get the back, you can regrind. Maybe you don't get the same exotics, but you can get something. Uh, you probably will. <laughs> Even then you figure when house of wolves come out, the exotics are going to be rendered, you know, obsolete at that point. Oh anyway, no, so. not the exotics. Oh, they, they, they get upgraded again. Yeah. That's what happened with the, the dark below. You have to buy something from Zerfer and upgrade uh, and then you get right. upgraded, yeah. That's, uh, that's about, yeah, so, so he's got plenty of grinding ahead of him. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, it's like lesson learned, kid. And on, I guess the biggest lesson here is don't try to cheat. No. Don't, don't, don't. try don't try to cheat because that's what got you into this mess. See, now if Bungie was just sending, sending it admins to random Destiny players' houses to stand over their shoulder and watch them while they were playing Destiny, none of this would happen. Stop, Nick. <laughs> you are absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving on to our next topic. Uh, there was not an article on Slashdot, but I guess a comment on Slashdot. No, it was a, actually the article's on The Verge. The article's on The Verge, okay. Well, I didn't even read that article. I thought it was just a comment on Slashdot. I don't no. see the article actually here. Huh? Yeah. No, it's it's uh if if you look in the if you look in the posting on Slashdot, there's a few links, and then that's the 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 article itself is on the Verge, um, and it's an argument that that says that uh, that Sony should just focus on the PlayStation and nothing else, um, which I don't know. I I kind of see the point insofar as like Sony's really successful at the PlayStation, and like even then they're kind of struggling with TVs and, and a lot of other hardware that used to be their forte. Um, but really, for me, the the crux of the article comes down to one part, um, where basically the the author uh, makes the argument that Sony's remote play uh, is a really valuable feature, and you can't use it that well because it's only limited to the PS Vita and Sony's Xperia Android line. Um, and then the, the article literally says, why can't I play Destiny on my iPad when the TV's occupied? Um, and Sony won't develop for the iPad because, uh, well, guess what? They do have the iOS PlayStation app, but it hasn't been updated for I, I, iPhone 6 yet. Um, and so the, the argument is that because Sony's in all these other mediums, specifically the mobile space, um, that they're not going to develop for their competitors. Uh, and so if Sony gets out of that, then they're free to develop the best PlayStation experience for their competitors, and then this guy can play on his iPad. Um, which, 
I kind of get the logic there, but fundamentally it's like, no, like Sony should not abandon everything just for because you want to play on your iPad. There's actually a chart earlier up in the article that shows uh, Sony profits and loss by division in millions. And the only two that are actually negative are mobile and other, um, which it isn't clear what's in there. But stuff like the PlayStation, their cameras, their home entertainment and sound division, uh, the image sensors and Sony pictures are all making money. Um, actually, actually, you know, it's hard to tell which one is which here exactly because they're all varying shades of gray. Um, I think Sony Pictures actually looks like that's not that's pretty close to zero. Well, if you hover it over, it just tells you what it is. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, but it's so tiny. You gotta. Oh, it's actually negative ten million. Yeah, <laughs> chart that goes down to negative fifteen hundred. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's a that's a it's a that's a it's a crappy chart, but it's it. I don't know. It's it's I I get his point in that like yes like Sony should kind of for, you know they shouldn't be so concerned about promoting their own cross brand connectivity when they can develop an experience for everybody because it's not like if, if you want an iPad it's not like you're gonna be like well I'm not gonna get an iPad because I want to play Destiny so I have to stay within the Sony line of of uh, devices uh, but this is the kind of thing we see all the other com- all the companies do this anybody that, that gets their hand and I guess they do make the point a little bit that Microsoft is even starting to soften up as far as allowing some of their uh, software to work better with iPads and stuff and, and Apple devices instead of just kind of focusing like, oh, you know, Office works best on a Windows product, I mean, which is true. but It still works best on a Windows yeah, product. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it, I think they've been, they recently, didn't they recently get it, improve the uh, iOS app? They did. But the difference with Microsoft is that Microsoft is, they're starting to loosen up on the consumer side of things, not on the business side of things. Yeah. You know, and so they're not giving it all up, you know, because Microsoft knows at the end of the day, when you walk into an office, you're going to be working on Windows machines more than likely with a Windows server backend. At least you should be, yeah. <laughs> more, yeah, like, yeah, more than likely you will be doing that. Yes. I mean, even you, know, you have to be working at a pretty specific place to have like, let's say all Macs and uh, like an X-Serve backend. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's to the point where uh, XServe is now just an app, pretty much you can download off of like iTunes, and that's how you turn it. Uh, you know, that's how you get your XServe now. So uh, even Apple isn't taking it seriously. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this <laughs> I don't know, this guy is asking for a lot. He's like, oh, PlayStation's doing good. Why don't you just drop everything else and you know PlayStation only? And it doesn't. Like, why would you want that? Like this guy must be an Apple fanboy, because like, well, then Apple can just handle everything, and everything will be great. Like, no, like <laughs> we need competition. Like, if there's any, if there's any great example of what the lack of competition does, look at the PS3 launch. Yeah. Look at the Xbox One launch, and the Xbox One had competition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you need competition. Like you, you don't want to be like, well. Just make software for iOS devices or Android devices, and then Google and and Apple can be the gatekeepers. Like, no, you don't want that. They need to be on their toes constantly. So they need somebody like Sony who, you know, while maybe not right now is doing that great in the mobile space, Sony still has a very good chance of making some incredible mobile shit. Like, you know, if you talk to somebody in 2007, you tell them that Samsung is going to have some of the best phones they've ever seen in their life. like. They're not going to believe you back in 2007, you know, or 2008, 
but now where are we now? Like, you know, Samsung is outselling Apple. Yeah. In terms of phones. So, yeah, like Sony, like right now, yeah, sure, their they're phones, they, they may not have the right strategy for phones. Their phones may not be great. Actually, I do know somebody who does have, uh, like, one of the PlayStation phones, and he loves it. He likes it a whole lot. So, does you know. Play, does, he, does he play Destiny on it? No, but he plays other shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he does like he he does like it a lot, um, and it's, it's not for everybody right now. Obviously, it doesn't fit everybody. But yeah, I mean, Sony makes some really good stuff. The Vita is an incredible handheld device, and as much as I like my 3DS, when I have to go someplace, it's the Vita that gets packed up and goes with me. You know, I mean, I I I, I can play Destiny on my Vita almost the same way I can play it on my PS4. You know. I won't go into the Crucible on the Vita, but uh, you know I'll still I'll still play it. So the Vita is an excellent device. Uh, the PS4 is an excellent device, and you know Sony's like Nintendo, where they make their stuff that works together very well, but they do it on a broader scale. You know, like you know, look at PlayStation TV. I'm excited. I I haven't got one only because I only use one TV primarily. But if I do get to a point where I need, I, I want to use my other TV, I could just stream my games over to it. That's 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 pretty good. But you know, we need we need somebody there. We need a, more, more than one or two companies that are pop that are capable of making this stuff. You know, that are capable of you know making waves and pushing progress forward. And Sony is definitely a company that can do that. So I don't think they should give all that up just to make stuff for iOS since you know that's where everybody is. That's where everybody is right now. But it doesn't mean that's gonna that's that doesn't mean that's the way it's gonna be forever. Or even in the long run. Yeah. No, it's I don't know. And the other thing too is that the console market is so topsy turvy and it's I mean I I don't know why a company like Sony would want to restrict themselves to just one one specific device going forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, trying to get a major player out of a game or just tell them to kind of roll over is a bad idea. Just because you can't play Destiny on your iPad. Which, why would you want to play Destiny on your iPad? What is up with people wanting to play games on fucking iPads, like console games on iPads? What is up with that shit? (laughs) It's not that he wants to play it on the iPad. It's just that's his other screen. That's what he has that's available. You know, I, I, you know, if Sony just gave him a Vita, I'm sure that would that would quiet him down in this regard. <laughs> so, um, Sony just sent him a Vita with a with a little piece of paper that says "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> uh, and you know that'll that'll save him a lot more money than just making Playstations. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, if you don't if you don't if you don't want to buy a Vita or a, a way to get these other experiences, then don't. But then just don't have it. Yeah. You know, you, that means you don't have it. If you don't want to shell out the money for the Vita, that means you don't have it. What, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I don't have an iPad. How many experiences are I, am I, you know, missing out on? I'm not saying, man, you know, those iOS developers or Apple should make uh, GarageBand for Android so I can use it. Or just make <laughs> GarageBand for Windows so I can use it. Why restricted to one platform? You know, I say well, that I, mean, I just don't have GarageBand. But that that that's fundamentally. I mean, 
that's fundamentally what the whole console system in a nutshell. I mean, you know, I want to play Sunset Overdrive on my PlayStation 4, but I can't. No, you don't. You don't want to play well, Sunset no, Overdrive I, I, I did. I, just, I couldn't think of any other Xbox exclusives. So. Halo. Halo. <laughs> I got Destiny. That's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but yeah, this 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 article, which I didn't realize, I thought it was just a guy making a comment. I didn't no. realize it was an actual article until Nick posted yeah. it out. It was just kind of like, really? <laughs> no, really? it's worse. If it's just a guy making a comment, you're like, okay, that's just a bad comment. Moving on. No, this guy actually thought about this and got somebody to edit this. It was officially posted. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he needs to get familiar with not having not having access to everything. Well, he is familiar with it, and I suppose there's nothing wrong with kind of complaining, like, eh, but you're complaining, like, at least acknowledge that, like, this is kind of on you. Yeah, this is kind of winding, winding, I should say. Uh, let's move on to our next topic. Uh, there's an article about Mortal Kombat X on games industry, and uh, one of the, uh, the mar- well, the marketing games manager for the brand. Uh, was talking about, you know, the fact that Mortal Kombat, it's more than about fighting games. It's more about competing against fighting games. It's like, to them, they are competing against all games when it comes out, which is which is very true. And that is very true, that they are competing against more than just fighting games when it comes out, and they have to find a way to get players to play it, even if they're not core fighters. Because the thing about fighting games... It's very skill centric. I actually even said that in this article. It's like you know, it can. It's fun if you know how to play, it, but it can be very unfun if you don't know how to play it that well. Especially if you're gonna play it like online. So how do you get people who like to play, you know, who don't necessarily play fighting games to still play it? Because uh, the core of most fighting games is multiplayer. It's fighting against other people. But so then, how do you get? other people who don't necessarily want to play against other people to play it and then not get bored from fighting, doing the same things over and over again. And I think NetherRealms has done a great job of that. Mortal Kombat 9 and Injustice, like I was talking about earlier. Because I'm not, I don't, I don't play fighting games myself um, anymore. Like, seriously. Like, I am nowhere near a, at a competitive level. Okay, and I really don't have any interest in taking the time to get better to play at a competitive level, so I can actually take it online and play with people. Um, however, uh, Mortal Kombat 9 uh, had a had a good story mode, which was, it, I want to say, it, it was kind of engaging. Like, it kind of kept me going. Like, I wanted to see what was happening. Like, uh, and actually, that happened this weekend, because I just played Injustice last night, and I played it all the way through. And one of the reasons I played it all the way through is because I wanted to see what happened. You know? Part of the reasons when you know, I'm fighting the game, I'm playing the game, and I'm getting a little frustrated. The thing that kept me going is I want to see what would happen in the story next, you know? And I, like I said, I think the other realms did it, has done a great job of adding in because, I mean, when's the last time you played a fighting game that actually had a good story? You know? Now, I'm not talking about, like, P4A, because from what I've been told, P4A does have a good story, but it's too much story. <laughs> you know? Too much reading going on in P4A. Uh, which, you know, kind of kept me from, from finishing it. But, like, with Mortal Kombat uh, 9 and Mortal Kombat X, I would imagine, and Injustice, uh, there's cutscenes in between the fights and 
you know, stuff like that. And it's not, and it's also not one of those games where you just pick a player and you fight, you just fight, you know, back to back to back. And at the end, you get somebody's story. It's not like that. Or you, or you get like a uh, ending scene. It's like, you know, you do a couple fights and then you switch a character. You do another couple fights and you switch the characters again. And it's a, it's like a, a, a single string story, like just going straight through. And it's very cohesive. Like I said earlier, playing Injustice was like watching an episode of Justice League. You know, and I think uh, the formula they're talking about, you know, how to, you know, get the core players to play and enjoy it, which they still do. Like there's Injustice tournaments. You know, going on. There's Justice tournaments. Uh, there was, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat 9 had a competitive scene. It was at Evo. Uh, I don't know if it was for two years or just the one year, but it definitely what did it definitely make it the Evo. So you had the chorus playing, but then at the same time you had people like me who were also playing and enjoying the game. I pe- I bought and paid for Mortal Kombat 9, and I enjoyed it. I did not regret spending that money. Uh, and Justice I got for free. So I, if I would have bought it, eh, I made my might not have paid sixty bucks for it. 30 to 40, yes, but, you know, now I'm actually looking forward to Mortal Kombat X because of the experience I had with Mortal Kombat 9. So I think whatever formula they're looking for, they they found it. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was uh, how he, he talks about uh, trying to get the game sort of, I guess, acknowledging the, the importance of streaming in, in, in esports and, you know, trying to get people to want to watch this. And I think that's one thing we've even seen as far as fighting games go, that they lend themselves to an audience very well. And one of the things he talks about here is that like their fatalities themselves kind of like that being their brand. It's like people want to watch mortal Kombat to see the fatalities kind of thing. I thought that was actually an interesting way to kind of look at that. Yeah. Yeah. It is actually a pretty entertaining game to watch. You know, it's one of those games you can watch without actually, you can watch it without knowing what's going on. If you know what's going on or, you know, the intricacies of playing it, it's even more enjoyable. But, you know, it is fun to watch versus, like, maybe watching a King of Fighters or even Street Fighter where to really enjoy it, I think you have to know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's – and that's one of those things as far as even, like, Evo, which I don't watch like because I've, I've never been that into it. But I think if you can get somebody that can explain to you kind of what you're seeing – and it's, it's hard for them to – you know, because it's fast action in these games. So, I mean, if you can get somebody that can explain to you, like, what exactly you're seeing as far as when people are, do- are blocking and dodging and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, I mean, these – I mean, you know, fight, fighting games are like chess matches, but they're happening at such rapid speed that you don't notice it. And yeah, if you can, if, 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 the, you know, if you can break that down for them, if you can find a streamer who can kind of explain what's happening in the match as it's happening, uh, I think that goes a long way towards, uh, you know, opening it up for a more casual audience. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I, I, whatever NetherRealms is doing, I, I hope they continue to do it and just expand on it. And, uh, you know, as long as they have a balanced approach, I think they'll be, you know, they'll be, uh, They'll be okay. I think one of the problems they had with Mortal Kombat 9 staying competitive was the fact that they had those secret updates. Like, every time you turned on the game, it would update, like, stats on players. And that made it very hard to keep it competitive because, you know, one day something may, something may work, and then, like, a week later it may not. You know, so I think uh, they learned from that. But other than that, I'm, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. I don't think that game's going to make Evo this year. I mean, it might it might. I don't know. It's supposed to come out in April, I believe. Mortal Kombat X. Uh, but that I don't know. That might be too short for people to actually uh, 
before it's actually make Evo. But who knows? They may already have deals out with uh, with Shoryuken in order to uh, to get that game going at Evo. So we'll see. Uh, our last topic is regarding DLC and how it helps games. There was an article on Kotaku where the author was talking about, you know, how DLC helps games. And pretty much his main argument was that because of, you know, DLC, because of DLC, developers don't have to do mass layoffs now after, uh, you know, the game development's finished. They can now put teams on DLC and it keeps teams of, of good developers together and it keeps morale up. It keeps, you know, good people, uh, people who are good at game design, it keeps them working and working together. Um, and, and, and it's not as as draining. Uh, and also, you know, it can also help expand games where, you know, while a small group is working on the concept for one game, you know, if 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 somebody comes up with an idea for a DLC that they think can generate money, they can now have another team work on that and expand uh, another game and keep the life of that game going. Also, one concept that was explored here was that, you know, some up game updates may be free because they have a DLC that can help pay for those updates. Because, you know, I, I guess games are... And I can kind of I kind of understand it from a development standpoint. Like, you have to have a hard limit on how much stuff you're going to put in. At some point, like, this is going to be the final version I'll work on these couple things in the next version. That happens with games, too. So there's definitely ideas and stuff that don't make them in the games that developers would love to add after the fact. And sometimes they just don't have the money, but if DLC is bringing money in, they may be able to provide those updates for free. And uh, the, the, this article makes a lot of great points, and the guy is right in a lot of cases, you know? And I think what he has to say is awesome, but even though he's right, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason he's wrong is because as perfect as the sound, this is DLC in a perfect world. And as right as he is, this is not the way DLC is handled in real life. In theory, it's one thing. In theory, DLC can be all that stuff. In practice, it is not. Okay? Like, perfect example. Fucking Destiny. You cannot (laughs) tell me. You cannot tell me The Dark Below was made after the fact. I'm sorry, it wasn't. The Dark Below, it just feels like content that was in the game already. It feels like content that was in the game already. You're going back to places that you've already been, which in Destiny, it's not uncommon for, you know, like if you have missions on the moon, it's not uncommon for you to go back through certain places, you know, but, and then have new areas opened. And that's exactly what the DLC was. Like, um, you know, I, I, I need to correct you. The Dark Below was not DLC. That was an expansion. Oh, no. Fuck. No, the, the Dark Below was a DLC. I'm sorry. What's coming in September is an expansion. That's you know, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to say, like, I feel like Bungie has, like, somebody, like, fucked with their dictionary. Because, like, they're like, well, it's not an MMO. Like, no, it's an MMO. And it's like, they're like, well, that was an expansion. Like, no, that's DLC. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the Dark Below, every last mission in the Dark Below goes through an area we've already been and then just opens up a new area. And it's not like the new areas are expansive or anything like that. They're very small. So it kind of follows the formula of the main game. Like, you go through an area you've already been to, but now an additional door is open. 
and that's all the dark below was. Plus, there's only three additional missions, and there's no Peter. There's like you know, no Peter Dinklage voice work. There's just some. There's somebody else there. Um, yeah, that so that that feels like part of the game, and we see that so often, especially with Call of Duty. Um, you know, maybe I would say Assassin's Creed. The DLC kind of does feel after the fact. You know, even though they announced the DLC before the game is announced. And that's another thing, like, when it doesn't feel good when the game's not even out. And, like, four or five months before the game is out, they announce DLC for the game. You know? That's a problem. That's that's part of the problem. That's how you know a lot of the stuff could be put in, but it's, being, it's actually being taken out. Um, a lot of DLC... It's kind of useless. Uh, kind of, a lot of DLC, like, I understand he's saying, like, some DLC keeps, uh, you know, developers working and stuff like that, but when you make, when you have DLC packs of costumes and, you know, uh, just, like, you know, texture changes and skins and stuff like that, like, really? How much longer is that keeping somebody working? That stuff was probably made while the game was in development. You know? It's very it's it's rare when DLC does it right. Like, like I, I talked about it last week, um, Infamous First Light. That is a DLC. That is a good DLC that is worth the money. You know, like you have a, you have a, a new story, you have more voice work, uh, you actually have upgrades. Like the the, the I'm not sure if, if for those who played it may not have noticed, but the map is different. The map has changed and it's better in First Light than it is in regular Infamous, Second Son. So, you know, that it's very rare that we actually get DLC like that. I mean, well, that in that case, that's basically a new game made with the existing resources. Right. And that's kind of... I mean, that's kind of what... Uh, what, what uh, who, who's, who's this here at uh, Kotaku that's arguing for... Uh, what Ethan Le- Le- Levy is arguing for. Um, it, it's... Because he acknowledges that there are companies that abuse DLC and abuse consumers. Um, and I think that, I guess his point more so is that from our standpoint, when we think of DLC, that's what we think of as sort of the negative, the times we got burned by, the times that, you know, we see developers, you know, intentionally working on content that they're going to sell separately, and then they're going to later claim, oh, this was worked on later. Uh, and it's one of those things that without being behind the scenes, without seeing the actual schedule, all we can kind of do is piece together evidence based on what's available on the disc at launch and stuff like that. Um, so it is interesting, at least to, to, to get a feel that there is some good coming of this, that, that when, when implemented properly, when conceived properly, that this can be used to keep developers busy, to keep, get, keep them from getting laid off. There's one thing that we've seen over the last five years. It's how the turnover at these studios is insane. It's, you know, every, you know, it feels like every few weeks we're talking about another developer is, is closed. And then presumably those people are going and getting jobs elsewhere. Um, but the game development industry is incredibly cutthroat. And so if there, if, if DLC can be used to kind of keep the people, you know, with their jobs and the, to be funding, you know, to be funding updates to, to games, to keep games alive. I mean, fundamentally, even, even for a game that's not an MMO, you know, games don't even have to be online. But if you, if you look at a game as a platform and then any additional content that you can add to that to, you know, increase and live off of that platform, you know, there's no reason why there's no there's almost no reason why a game has to die necessarily. I mean, ultimately, at some point, you're going to want to move on to a, a sequel, assuming you have the fan base for it. But if you as a, a studio and, and 
presumably a smaller studio are able to make a game that, that's successful enough and has, you know, has enough of a fan base where you can keep churning out paid updates, basically. Um, you know, then you're providing more content. The content's worth it. You're actually selling it at a proper value that, you know, fans will, will buy it. And then, you know, you can extend the game's lifetime infinitely. So in that regard, yes, it's a, it's a win-win. But the problem is you get these studios, you get these publishers who see this as a way of effectively increasing the cost of a game without actually increasing the cost of a game that they can still, you know, put the ad in, you know, your best buy flyer that it retails for, for, for you know, 59 99. But if you really want that full experience, you know, once you buy it, you're going to be downloading a bunch of content and stuff and paying an extra, you know, five, 10, $15 for some of this stuff. And you're going to wind up paying, you know, 80 to a hundred dollars for the full experience. But that sticker price is still fifty nine ninety nine. That's kind of that's kind of how DLC has been used. Um, and maybe maybe we need to be a little more upfront and, and develop, you know. But it's one of those things like developers can't just raise the price without looking greedy. Although that's you know because they talked about that. I, uh, what was it? Uh, I want to say before the before the PlayStation Three, but that doesn't sound right. Uh, there was talk of, of games prices going, what is it? They're $60 now of talk of raising them to 70 and everybody kind of like threw their arms and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like 60 is the highest you can go. People are going to ride if you throw it, throw it to 70 and they didn't, they kept it at 60, but DLC has effectively allowed them to raise that price in a way that it's, you don't feel it initially, but it's there. Right. But in a lot of cases you still feel like, for example, with, with Destiny, if you don't get the DLC, you are missing out. Like, you are definitely missing out. You can't do the weekly strike. You can't do the daily sometimes. You can't do the uh, the weekly strike. Like, that, that's bullshit. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying that Destiny... No, Destiny is definitely falls into the bad DLC category. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And, and a lot of DLC is like, it's very... It is just very... It's very rare that you see a DLC that's worth it. Um, would would you count League of Legends skins as DLC? Yes, because that that, that's the whole model for the game fundamentally. Well, I mean that's not necessarily deal. You're not downloading; you're just unlocking it. But yeah, yeah, but because I mean I, I think that's a case where I guess you know and 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 Heroes of the well we don't know what model Heroes of the Storm is going to follow, but um, but I mean that that's a case where the game itself is free but everything you're buying there is is additional there right um, and so i think that you know and and, and riot thrives off that they do. I, and so i think in that regard but i mean you know as, as much as league, league isn't a traditional game it's not like they're working on well we don't know i mean they could be working on a league too at some point but um yeah but i think that's the kind of game where that that DLC, the way they've they, the way they've structured that, as far as you know, selling those heroes and skins, it you know it funds the whole company, <laughs> and it's done very well. Um, but, but I mean, the major difference that game is free to play. Yeah, and that's and, and but you know, and then that's the thing too, though, is it's you know, even then, I kind of had to ask you, like, is is would League count as DLC? It's not when we like when we think of DLC, we're so used to thinking of all the terrible times we've seen it. Um, what, what, what was it that Assassin's Creed did with their DLC this time? That they they wound up having to cancel uh, cancel the season pass or something? I can't even well, remember. They canceled season pass because the game was horrendous when it came out. Okay, that's that's the, why I canceled the season pass and all the DLC is going to be free. 
this time around. Yeah, so that that's, that's won't not... be making that mistake next time. No, no, <laughs> no. but no. I, I think if, I think if if we can kind of get past our our initial biases to look just at the worst instances where we're hurt, I think good DLC is like good DLC is is like a good uh like a good comment on the internet. Like when you think about internet comments, you only think of all the the crappy comments because that's by and large that's what there is and that's what you see. But it's like the good comments are out there, but you don't, well, no, it's not the comments. This is a terrible metaphor. Terrible metaphor. I'm, I'm walking <laughs> I this one back. I was waiting to see where you were going. Like I'm walking this one back. No, it's like it's the kind of thing like you like it's it when it's good you don't notice it because it just feels natural it's like oh hey this developer put out an update to the game yes it's dlc but it's two years since the game came out clearly this is not something they've been sitting on the disc for two years waiting to release it now and you can go ahead and uh, and get into it what was it uh xcom xcom did their their update uh, it was it was the dlc update uh yeah. for enemy unknown where they they added a, a few new uh, i think a whole, a whole new like up, up upgrade system and well, yeah. a few new missions and stuff. XCOM did that and the guys who made um uh Scott Pilgrim also released the DLC really late after. Yeah. And that's what like when everybody thought of DLC originally that's what everybody thought it was gonna be. It was like, exactly. Oh, man, I love this game and now a year later they're adding more to it. Exactly. You know? And that's and that- the thing. Yeah. That's what it should be. That's that's what it should be. And for the studios that are able to do that for for uh what was it for Axis for Axis did uh did XCOM right? Yeah, yeah. I so, so I mean, you know, so so they like so they get it. They know what they're doing. Although even then, I want to say didn't, XCOM did have some day one DLC as well. But that's the thing. If you want to keep devs working, why don't you assign them to something like Infamous First Light, which is well, first of all, standalone. But second of all, that's that game is at least like three hours, four hours worth of content. You know, I, I mean, Sleeping Dogs had some good DLC, but some of that like it was like it was like an hour. You know, which I want. I definitely wanted more because I, I was I love Sleeping Dogs, dude. Uh, I think part of the problem, though, is that we kind of don't know what bad DLC is until too late. Because I mean, I mean, do we know when they started working on First Light? I don't know, but First Light actually, First Light was announced either at, around the time that it was released or shortly after. But First Light came out. I think like uh, let's see, First Light came out in the summertime and. Infamous came out in, like, the winter. So, like, there was some a decent amount of time there, but I, I think First Light, I don't know, maybe it could have only taken a few months to develop because the assets were already there, like you said. Yeah. And that's and that's the huge thing, is that because, the, you know, because it's, they can roll over assets, because more importantly, they can roll over the people instead of having to fire and, and hire people and, and hire new people especially and retrain them, or not retrain, train them in the system. It, you know, once you have... Once you have a game that you're going to keep putting out content for, it's easier for the developers to do that. They can put out the content, you know, quicker and, and better, and make improvements to the system. Um, and that's, you know, and that that that's what you want to see. That's, I mean, and and the thing is, I think the problem is that when you have a lot of these games, especially the annual games, you know, and, and you know, looking square at Ubisoft here, um, but when you have these annual releases, you know that this game has a shelf life. You know that even if the game is well received, even if you can keep, you know, you're, you you've already, you know, you already know when Call of Duty comes out. Um, not to jump off of Ubisoft, but um, 
you know, like, you know, when Call of Duty comes out, they know exactly what the DLC is going to be. They know exactly when it's going to be released and they know exactly when they're going to stop talking about that one. So they can start talking about the one coming the following year. Um, and it's, you know, the same goes for Assassin's Creed and Madden and all those, all those games, they they have a very well-defined life. And I think the best games that DLC works for are the games where there is no well-defined life. That as long as the developers can keep putting content out for a game and as long as the fans keep buying it. And I think that's the thing is you need to, what's the one game that they mentioned in the article um, where they said it didn't have a large enough fan base for them to justify doing a sequel. I want to say it was legendary heroes. Um, that they didn't, it didn't quite have the fan base to justify them just straight up working on a sequel, but they could keep everybody employed by working on DLC updates. And that, you know, and, and that, that works out well. I mean, if you're, if you're a smaller developer and you've got that one game, like, you know, that, that hits that you don't need to, you know, you don't need to come up with another idea and, and, you know, you can just keep rolling with what you've got. That's great. You know, and that's kind of how, that's kind of how this should be. But yeah, it's it's unfortunately, it's not always that way. Yeah, most of the time it's not that way, and that's the problem. Like, I, if what he says here was actually happening at uh, some places other than Stardock and apparently Sucker Punch, I'd be overjoyed. I think everybody would love DLC to have their favorite games extended, but that's not what happens. Like, shit gets chopped up. Most DLC is worthless. It's just skins and stuff like that that you got to pay extra money for when it should just be part of the fucking game. Skins, come on now. You know, make like make somebody work for it. That's how. That's what it should. Somebody that should be. But like you know, I I I I I'm not feeling that. Like, for example, even the um, uh, like there were some skins for Infamous Two that I believe you had to pay for, or some game. It was some game I was I was going into the menu for, and I saw a bunch of skins available for deal for purchase. I can't remember. But like uh, just just for Infamous, for example, let's say let's say it was Infamous. You know, now it's not uncommon for if you want, like, you know, extra skins and and stuff like that for you to pay for it. But like Infamous Two, dude, I bought like when I bought that game, I had like a bunch of skins that came with it. Not to mention the ones that I could unlock. You know, I, in Infamous Two, I could play as Kessler if I wanted to, and I thought that was pretty cool. Or I could switch the weapon that I was using. I could go from using uh that the i forget what the name of the tool was with the electric thing to like a sword if i really wanted to and it was pretty cool um but now you really don't have that option like assassin's creed is like notorious for that shit like they 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 chop that stuff up a lot you know even though i will admit they do have like some costume a lot of costumes you can get in games i'm not gonna complain too much about it but it's not uncommon if you listen to this you know what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, like I said he's right, but he's wrong because that's not how DLC is implemented, and that's the problem. That's the problem. If DLC was actually implemented like this, I, I think the, the DLC wouldn't have such a bad name. I think the problem is that companies put out DLC that shouldn't be DLC that should be included with the base game, and we all pay for it and buy it anyway. And if we stop doing that. Maybe we could kind of change the economy a little bit so they would realize, like, oh, if we just throw something out on the disc and then make people pay for it, they're not going to buy it. They're too smart for that, but they're not. That's true. You got you to gotta, you gotta pay. You got to, you know, talk with your money, folks. Exactly. All right. That's going to bring us to the end of that part, to, to, that, to that part of the match. Let's see. Anything good coming out? No. I'm still looking. Like, there's nothing really notable here. We haven't had anything good come out since, like, October. Yeah, it's this, this drought's going a bit longer than uh, than I really expected. 
So, I don't know. Maybe we'll get some announcements. Did we mention the order coming out last week? I think we did. Or didn't we? Actually, no, I don't think so because I didn't realize it was coming out. Now I think about it. Um, The order, uh, I wasn't really interested. I haven't checked it. I didn't even check out any reviews of it. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. The the impression I get has not been good. It's it's uh it sounds overly reliant on uh, quick time events. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, Destiny Warriors Eight Empire is coming out for the PS4. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know too many people are excited about that. <laughs> you mean Dynasty Warriors? Yeah, Dynasty Warriors. I said Destiny Warriors. Yeah, Dynasty Warriors. I feel like this was like a stealth episode of In Orbit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, kinda, kinda. I was trying to avoid that, but yeah, Limbo is coming to the PS4. Yeah, yeah. I doubt they're even gonna be sending out review copies of that because everybody's already played it. Yeah, uh, it looks like there's a um, Devil May Cry Definitive Edition coming out, which probably just has an upped frame rate. It's probably the same version they have on PC, which looks incredible, by the way. Incredible. Uh, that comes out on March 17th. So that's the best far. That that's that's far. <laughs> the Dr- Dragon Ball Xenoverse comes out for yeah. like, all the si- everything except for Nintendo. Right, right. So, uh, stuff's coming. Like, it looks like March is going to be this going to start pick up again. Battlefield Hardline and some other stuff coming out. So, I guess we'll we'll be talking about closer to that then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud.com/slash Mash Those Buttons. We are on. Uh, iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio for your Android and iOS devices. You can stream and download there. A uh, few podcasts we have. We have obviously the Mashcast. You listen to it now. Uh, we have Wow Talk, which is bi-weekly. We have Double Tap, which is week. Uh, sorry, monthly, and also In Orbit now, which is um, you know, monthly as well. For now, we just had the first episode released last week, and um. Yeah, Nick Nick gave it his thumbs up. Yes, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, so if you are playing Destiny, uh, go ahead and give it a listen. Let us know what you think, and we will have another one in the second week of March. Maybe the third week of March, because I'm going to PAX, and uh, yeah, they kind of need me for that podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, But, you know, you can catch us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash buttons. We are on youtube.com slash buttons and twitter.com slash site. And like I said, thank you for listening. We will catch you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.